Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. Courtney and Kim take New York season two, episode two. How you feeling? I know that the bulk of this episode is really about Scott and Courtney and also Kim and Chris now living temporarily separately, but I couldn't have asked for a better episode to discuss and break down amidst the Courtney and Kim trailer preview. Yeah. I mean, even in this one episode, Courtney is the one saying, you know, I am kind of the mediator between Kim and Chloe because I have my separate relationships with both of them, but there's a lot of jealousy between the two of them. They don't see eye to eye. And it's just like, what a difference 12 years makes. I feel like the question that we have been asking ourselves this whole time is like, okay, we kind of understand the dynamic between Courtney and Kim then versus now. We kind of understand the dynamic between, or we do really understand the dynamic, I think best of all of them, between Chloe and Courtney then versus now. But Chloe and Kim then versus now is a little iffy to us. And I feel like this episode really answered a lot of questions about that. It did because so much of the time when we talk about it, I feel like we're coming at it from the lens of, yeah, Chloe and Courtney used to be two peas in a pod and look how that shifted. But this whole Chloe and Kim thing, I I agree with you. It's one of the more undiscussed dynamics back in the day. Right. And this is potentially the highest stress that it is because of the Chris Humphreys of it all. I have so much to say. We have to get into it. Okay, let's just begin. We kind of have broken this down scene by scene and then also by plot line. We're just going to see how it goes. You guys know the drill by now. I mean, if you're listening to these every week, you know, it's it's just a matter of, of how this shit plays out. These are my favorite ones to do. I feel like we're really getting into like the meat of what we're analyzing. I mean, we've graduated, by the way, from the 30-minute episodes to the hour-long episodes. So like that is a big jump. We're really working with something here. 
Yes. And the other thing is like, if we didn't have the podcast, there's no world in which I would be doing a chronological watch through. Maybe I'd catch an episode here or there, but it wouldn't be at all as methodical as we've been doing it. And I can't help but feel as though doing this is only making me a more educated current day Kardashians viewer. Like even in this one, I, I picked up on things that I want to mention to you that I would have never, ever thought of. A million percent, because let's say even you decided for fun to throw on and you were going to do a full rewatch of Kardashians, you would never watch it with the critical lens that we are watching it from now. No, it's a a totally different experience. Also, thank you for saying rewatch. I had just said watch through because I think I forgot the word (laughs) rewatch. Thank you. You're always there, always there to give me my words, you know? You know, more than people who listen to the podcast realize, because if they could hear the amount of times that we cut out you going, what's, what is the word? Don't say anything, please. Just one word. What, what is the word that I'm looking for? It's on the tip of my tongue and me going, is it this? And you going, yes, thank you so much. No, it really happens to be more than it should. I also want to let you guys know, Julie and I were not physically together today, but we spent the entire day both voice noting from our respective walks slash errands slash whatever else we were doing. Now we're coming on here recording a podcast. So is that friendship? Is that codependence? I, I, I don't really know. I don't see why it can't be both. Honestly, it's work. At this point, it's, it's maybe it's just all three. I, you know what? It definitely is. Okay, so quick refresher of where we left off last week before getting into this week's episode. In terms of Kim and Chris, last week's episode ends with Chris deciding live in New York is too overwhelming. It's been a week, but he's going back to Minnesota to do his training. And in terms of Courtney and Scott, things are not good. Scott left the apartment. He went to Jonathan's. He's kind of confiding in Jonathan about everything going on with Courtney. So on both ends, Kim and Chris and Courtney and Scott, things are not good. There's a lot of chaos which pretty seamlessly leads us into this week, season two, episode two. And it starts off with Simon and Jonathan coming over to the New York apartment to, you know, welcome them to New York, see what's going on. And I I think what's funny is that we see Simon specifically having this experience that I do think is very relatable to a lot of friends whose best friends just got married of being like, holy shit, you, my friend that I've known single for so many years, you are a newlywed. But also rare aesthetic you can't believe one of your closest friends is a newlywed and now has a husband. And then on top of that, you can't believe that your newlywed friend with her new husband is in the first week of their marriage, essentially, living separately. No, I mean, POV, you're Simon. You walk into the Gansvort and Kim's like, yeah, you know, it's been a week, but Chris actually left to go to Minnesota. And then Simon's like, oh, and Courtney, what about you? She's like, actually, I have no idea where Scott is. He also left. (laughs) You're like, "Uh, is everything okay over here? And then by the way, Jonathan with the entrance of the century going, well, I've actually spoken to him. I'm sorry. I said this last week. I did not realize the relationship that Scott and Jonathan had, Kim and Courtney aside. Neither did I, but then it re-hit me this episode when Courtney gets a call from Scott's parents because they also don't know what's going on with Scott, which was such an interesting dynamic that we did not get to see often between Courtney and Scott and Scott's parents and the role that they played and how involved and how much they knew. I think that was something that we had always questioned because anytime Scott was up to his antics, anytime Scott was doing something wrong, obviously Chris Jenner was right there on the front lines. He couldn't get away with anything without Chris knowing. But Scott's parents were living in New York. And so a lot of the times I think that, at least for me, it was so out of sight, out of mind that my assumption was like, well, what they didn't see, they didn't know about. And here we kind of have this understanding that Scott's parents are pretty privy to everything that's been going on. 
Well, I mean, it's very interesting because when they're all sitting at the apartment and Courtney is on the phone with Scott's dad, Scott's dad says to Courtney, yeah, you know, Jonathan should have straightened him up. And Courtney says, well, I'm actually sitting here with Jonathan right now. And Scott's dad asked Jonathan, so what's up with the mental case, meaning Scott? And Jonathan's like, you know, it's been the same for seven years. You're still surprised by it, which is just such an interesting dynamic to kind of wrap your head around that Courtney is on speakerphone with Scott's father and Scott's father is then asking Jonathan for an update on what's going on with Scott because Scott's not answering him. So in this one scene, we get an understanding of Scott and Jonathan's relationship as told by Jonathan's relationship with Scott's parents, but also Courtney's relationship with Scott's parents, which I don't feel like we really knew anything about prior to this. Right, it was definitely one of our first understandings. And basically what Courtney is saying to Scott's parents is, I don't know what the deal is with him, but our plan was to go out to the Hamptons to see you guys and whether or not he's coming, I'm coming, I'm bringing Chloe, me, Chloe, and Mason, we are definitely coming no matter what. So that's kind of where we leave off. And we now transition into the next scene where Chloe arrives. And so, as you said earlier, if it wasn't already chaotic enough, Chloe is both the best and the worst person to be walking into this situation. Do you agree with that? So it's interesting because Chloe walking into chaos is typically in the past, as we've known Chloe, worst case scenario, right? So like understanding Chloe's relationship with Chris Humphreys is like, Kim and Chris are having problems. The last thing you want to do is have Chloe be privy to that. Same with Scott and Courtney. It's like, if you think back on the times where Scott and Courtney have been at their worst, adding Chloe to that situation is just a recipe for disaster. It's heightening every single thing around them. But instead, Chloe takes on this role that we haven't really seen of her, which is just the problem solver. And more than just the problem solver, like somebody who empathizes with the man rather than her sisters, which is definitely not something that we've seen Chloe do and really a result of her relationship with Lamar and her marriage and her understanding completely differently than she's had in the past of how relationships work. And also, in addition to that, the way that her relationship with Scott has changed, because she walks into the scene and one of the first things she tells Courtney is that Scott actually called her. Meanwhile, Courtney and Scott had not spoken, but Chloe is effectively acting as the communicator between the two because Scott called her. That is a completely new dynamic that would have never taken place even a year ago. It also felt like a dynamic between Chloe, Kim, and Courtney that we're not used to seeing. Like Chloe coming in as the one with the relationship experience that she is then imparting on her sisters and coming at it almost like the big sister saying like, here's what you guys are doing wrong and here's how I'm going to come in and help both of you put your head on straight. Like we are obviously very used to seeing Chloe speak her mind and give her opinion no matter the circumstance. But this wasn't really Chloe doing that. It was more from her coming at it from like a real problem-solving angle. Right, and also in addition to just being married, which of course is a new perspective that she could have factually not had before because she wasn't married, it's also that she's in a relationship that not only she, but also everyone around her kind of puts on a pedestal in a way. They really hold her and Lamar's marriage in a very high regard. And so it, it may be a strange thing to say, but it's almost as though she's coming into the situation kind of with street cred. You know, her word holds more weight around this subject matter than it did previously. Right, where any time that she's approached Courtney about Scott, she never had that to back her up. And also there's a softness to Chloe now in terms of dealing with other people's relationships, specifically Courtney and Scott. Like she kind of was able to drop the tough guy act. Right. And so then in kind of a wild turn of events, you have Chloe effectively being 
Scott's communicator to Courtney, because keep in mind, at this point, Courtney and Scott have not had a conversation. It's only Chloe that's spoken to him. So she's saying to Courtney, he feels like you don't respect him. The fact that you guys aren't sleeping in the same bed is really getting to him. He's basically crying out for attention. And if you don't want to be with him, then it's fine, but it's not fair to string him along. Courtney starts to kind of laugh a little. And Chloe then says, not only to Courtney, but also in her confessional, that when Courtney gets uncomfortable, this is what she does. She doesn't really know how to talk things through. And she feels like, yeah, Scott has put Courtney through so much. And if she's finally done and fed up, then that's okay. But she's got to let him know because it's not fair to him to kind of keep this going, which I do want to talk about because I think it's a really interesting conversation just in terms of the way that Courtney kind of handles conflict or has handled conflict historically. But one additional thing that Chloe says to her, she's like, listen, Scott loves you so much, but he wants to feel like he's the man, which is such a loaded statement. And there is so much there because obviously a lot of that is coming from Chloe's lens. And I would say in all of her relationships, that's been a very important dynamic to kind of solidify. But second of all, if we do want to go off of that, that's a prime example of why Courtney and Scott were never going to work. He was never going to feel like, quote, the man. So what's so interesting about that comment in terms of Scott needs to feel like he's a man, but also in terms of like Scott was never going to feel like that in this relationship. Typically when you would be saying that, if you were talking about somebody needing to feel like a man in their relationship, the opposite of that would be like being emasculated and almost in a heterosexual relationship, feeling like the person was taking on the role of like the female in the relationship rather than the male. Like that's what the emasculation does in this case. But what's interesting is that the way that Courtney is to Scott and the way that Courtney almost forces Scott to say what he needs from her is less emasculating, less like being of a man and more like coming at it from the angle of a child. Yes, it was in a way infantilizing. It was infantilizing the way that she was treating him, but also the way that he was I don't think treating himself, but like kind of saying what he needed from her. It was more like, it was very attention-based. It was very need-based. It was like, you have two boys in your life. It wasn't like, I am your husband and I need to feel like a man. It's like, you only, it's almost like, it was like a sibling rivalry between the two of them, between Scott and Mason, where it's like, I need attention too. But that's what we were saying last week or two weeks ago. In a strange way, Scott was almost mirroring childlike behavior because childlike behavior from a child is what he saw Courtney devoting her the most of her attention to. You know, it, it was, if you really watch this show from the beginning, you start to see exactly why Scott was acting the way that he was. And even though it's not an excuse, it is helpful to k- kind of understand where it's coming from. Oh, absolutely. I just want to circle back for one minute to the moment where she tries to have this breakthrough with Courtney. Courtney starts laughing and Chloe says to her, you're that person. Like you really just don't care. And in her confessional, she says, as I said before, you know, when Courtney gets uncomfortable, she starts to laugh and she doesn't know how to talk things through. And it is just, that's why when we were talking, I guess it was last week or the week before about if Courtney and Travis do fight, you know, what that even looks like. In our minds, we can't even try to visualize what conflict resolution between Travis Barker and Kourtney Kardashian is. But that's because for, I was about to say for our whole lives, for a lot of our lives, from what we have seen of Kourtney, it is this exact confrontation style when something arises. And this new version of Kourtney, I'm so curious how that factors in. Like in this 
era of Courtney's life, forget about Travis, with Kim, with Chloe, any argument she's having, is it the same style of handling things? Or does this new seemingly evolved version of Courtney also handle things in a more evolved way? I don't know. (laughs) Or does this more seemingly evolved version of Courtney only handle things in that way to Travis? And what we'll see in terms of this fight with Courtney and Kim is that when it comes to everybody but Travis, her style of confrontation and almost that apathetic approach when the other person is getting upset and the other person is, is, you know, getting highly emotional, if that carries through in that regard. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the Viral Turquoise Tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Okay, so shifting gears for a second to the Chris and Kim situation, which we'll really dive into later, but this is the first conversation between Chloe and Courtney and Kim, and they're all discussing him going to Minnesota. And Chloe's kind of saying in her confessional, you know, I took off work in the beginning to be with Lamar because especially in the first year of marriage, that's kind of when you're supposed to be the most obsessed with the other person. And she's like, yeah, I do find it a little bit unsettling that Kim and Chris already are living separately because they're not even a month into their marriage. And she's saying to Kim, you know, I think that too much distance between you guys is going to get comfortable and then there's really no relationship. And they're kind of just going back and forth about it. And basically what Kim's decides after this conversation is that, you know what? Chloe's right. There's no reason for her to go to the Hamptons with Courtney, Chloe, Mason, Scott. Let her take this weekend that she has off and go to visit him in Minnesota. She's like, we're going to figure it out. If it means that I have to get a place for just us in New York, whatever I have to do, like we're going to figure out a way for us to be together. But again, it's Chloe coming in specifically from the perspective of someone who is 
a newlywed also effectively to kind of say to Kim, like, hey, maybe there's another solution here. The fact that Kim had a free weekend and was going to choose to spend it with Scott's parents and not her brand new husband is so funny to me. And like, it's not like she was resistant to the idea. It's not like Chloe was like, hey, maybe you should do this. And she was like, no, I really want to be with you guys. It was like, oh yeah, I guess I could do that. It was like, it never even occurred to her to spend time with her husband. It was a completely foreign thought, completely foreign thought. It was she, Chloe was imparting brand new information on her. It actually was more like, oh, yeah, I do. I have to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I have no excuse to get out of this. It, it was almost like she was hoping that no one would notice that that was a potential solution. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Okay. We're just going to pause on the Kim and Chris conversation for a second. We will obviously come back to that. But just for a moment, we are going to transition and we're going to the Hamptons. My favorite sentence in the English language. <laughs> so Courtney's approach to this entire Hamptons trip is basically like, listen, I don't know what Scott's deal is. I don't know if he's coming. I don't know if he's staying in the city, but regardless, me, Chloe, and Mason are going. She's like, I want to see Scott's parents. I want Mason to see him. And whether or not he's going, we are definitely going to be there. So naturally, before they leave, Chloe wants to say goodbye to Kim. She goes upstairs to say goodbye to her and Kim fucking loses it because she had been really tired. She told them all she wanted to sleep in. She had set her alarm for later in the day. And when Chloe wakes her up, I mean, it is a bloodbath. And what Kim is saying is like, she feels that Chloe has never liked Chris. So she's purposely trying to sabotage her. She's purposely trying to mess with her before her trip to Minnesota. Like it is just World War III. And this is actually the birth of the now viral TikTok sound where Chloe, on her way to the Hamptons, gets an email from Kim that says, how dare you? You're such an evil bitch. How spiteful and jealous are you of me? How fucking dare you, Chloe? You cross a major line with me. That shit is not okay. You dumb, evil, little fucking troll. You have no idea how much I hate you. You're disgusting. And Chloe's like, all I did was wake her up. And Courtney's like, I honestly think she's just mad because she's married to a barking dog. So... What's so interesting about this scene is like, I always thought this was the most ridiculous thing in the entire world. And I can never understand Kim's reaction to this. Like it never made sense to me. It wasn't until watching it now that I realized the correlation between the comparison constantly that Kim was getting of Chloe and Lamar's marriage and Chloe as a wife compared to her as a wife and how that played into Kim's anger because she was just so angry at Chloe, but couldn't... <laughs> really understand why she was so mad at her because it's not her fault that she kept getting compared to her. And so she just took this opportunity to like flip out at her. But like, how is Chloe ever supposed to know that there's a connection there between those two things? No, I mean, I cannot wait to talk about that when we really get into the Kim and Chris of it all, because the way that he repeatedly compares Kim to Chloe is so frustrating. And you said this a few weeks ago, I think it was maybe in part three of the wedding special where you were like, one of the most infuriating things about Chris Humphreys is that he weaponizes Kim's relationship with her sisters. And then at the same time, he puts different actions of her sisters on a pedestal when it's convenient for him. And we see that so much when it comes to the Chloe stuff, which like I don't want to get into now because I really want to save that for the section. But yes, I so agree with you that I never understood the correlation until now. And by the way, I still don't fully, like Kim completely overreacted, but it was a combination of like being really overtired, kind of hating her husband, already being a little bit frustrated with Chloe. And then on top of it, additionally frustrated that Chris repeatedly compares her to Chloe, even though Chloe just a few weeks ago was public enemy number one. And also keeping in mind that the conversation that they had had the night before wasn't even 
Chris necessarily comparing them. It was Chloe coming at it from this now point of view of being a married woman and telling her what she needs to do and how abnormal her relationship is right now. And so in the back of her mind, she has the fact that she's being compared by Chris. And then here comes in Chloe also comparing them. The thing is like with Chloe, when she's saying, you know, yeah, I took a little bit of time off from work because I wanted to be with Lamar and I felt it was really important. All that stuff, while of course effort, I don't mean to invalidate her effort in terms of keeping their marriage stable. Like it was because she wanted to do it. She genuinely wanted to be with Lamar. They were drawn to one another. The issue here is that it it didn't come naturally to Kim because it wasn't natural. She didn't feel that same pull towards Chris. There was something inside of her that was actually pulling them apart. She just wasn't listening to it. Right. Okay. So flashing back to the Hamptons, I know we're really jumping around here, but basically they get there and Scott is also there. He came with Jonathan. Jonathan comes out. They've all arrived. And it's a little bit awkward. I mean, I would definitely say, you know, it's never great to be in a situation where you are seeing your significant other after a really nasty fight and there are other people around. But I think that intensifies when like, it's also at his parents' house. Right. Because also any issue that Courtney and Scott are used to having is usually fought on her turf rather than his. And so a lot of the times when the whole family is there and Chris Jenner is specifically there, Scott kind of has to come out with his tail between his legs and react a certain way in order to appease everybody. Or he kind of goes in the opposite direction, flips out and is like, I don't want anything to do with any of you. He has to act, both has to and gets the opportunity to act completely different now that it's his turf and his parents. Where like, he doesn't have to come out with his tail between his legs. He doesn't have to like do all of these things to appease her family that he doesn't want to do. It's his family. But also at the same time, like he's still with his parents. So we can't flip out and just storm away. No. And I don't mean to give that too much energy because all things considered, it could be a lot more tense. Like Scott has the kind of relationship with his parents where him and Courtney could have some tough conversations even in their home around them. And it's not the biggest deal in the world. Like it is a far more casual dynamic than, you know, let's say you're going into a parent's house where you kind of have to be on eggshells, but there is just still the underlying element that it is his parents' home. But this this is when the Chloe of it all is really taken to another level because when Scott walks into the room that Chloe and Courtney are in, Chloe is full-blown mediator. I mean, she is there honestly, being the translator between the two of them. Right, like they wouldn't even have had this conversation, by the way, if Chloe wasn't there. They probably would have sat the entire weekend separately not talking because there is a point where prior to this conversation where Scott comes into the room that Courtney and Chloe are sitting in and they end up having this conversation where it's just Chloe and Courtney and Chloe says to Courtney, I really want to enjoy my weekend out here. Don't you think that maybe you and Scott should talk and at least try to figure things out so we can all get along? And Courtney looks at her dead in the eye and goes, no. Which like bothers me so much. I find myself always getting almost irrationally annoyed by that, like for something that affects me 0%. I think I just, I don't know, on some level, when you watch this, you personalize it a little bit. And I just think that level of apathy is something I could never deal with in a romantic relationship. Like that would bother me to a degree that I can't fully vocalize. Forget about a romantic relationship though, any relationship. Like to be upset about something and then, here's what it is. It's to be so upset about something and really care about something and want to talk about something and then be met with the feeling that like 
the other person just doesn't give a shit, it not only infuriates you, but then it also makes you feel like your emotions are invalid. Cause it's like, why do I feel this way? But you don't, but we're supposed to like be in this together. It's like, I can understand how fucking infuriating that is. And it's actually, I have to say not to give Scott like undue credit, but I think his ability to stay calm when Courtney's matching him with that energy impressed me in this situation. I mean, I think he's just used to that. You know, he's not expecting something different out of her because that is the way that they've gotten used to conversing. And actually in a strange way, even though her style of handling conflict was very upsetting and in a lot of ways was inflammatory, I actually think in a little bit of a twisted way, he kind of got off on it because he was excited by the idea of getting a reaction out of her, even though 99.9% of the time he didn't. It was as if he was still chasing that. Well, right. The wanting a reaction out of her is actually why I can't believe that he manages to stay calm when she's meeting him with that energy. Because like, if I'm Scott and I already want attention from Courtney, the mm-hmms are not going to cut it. Like I am literally sitting here crying out for attention. I'm crying out to be heard and you're matching me with an, mm-hmm, okay. Like to me, that's going to make me angrier and angrier. It's going to make me want to act out more. It's going to make me want to do something until I finally get something that's a reaction that isn't that. And so for Scott to be able to like stay calm while she is doing that and just continue to get his point across, that's actually, I think, why their relationship was able to work. I think if he wasn't able to understand Courtney's communication style and communicate in his own way that didn't force her to, you know, communicate any differently than she was going to, their relationship would never have lasted as long as it did. Well, no, I mean, on some level, exactly. He, he did just grow to accept that, but let's get into this exact conversation because Chloe pretty much makes them both say their pieces. And he says, I always feel like I'm working to get somewhere that I don't ever really find. And you know, we don't stay in the same room. We don't really live the same life together that we used to. I ask you all the time to do things with me and you blow them off. In the past few weeks, I found a real void in my life that I think I was trying to fix with drinking, which is the worst thing you can do. Therefore, I need to work on that void with my partner. And in his confessional, he said, there's a huge void in my life. I don't have a relationship after 10 at night. Courtney reports to her room and I report to mine. It's ridiculous. And Chloe is saying to them, I'm not saying that you're back in Miami, but you'll also have to slowly prove to her, okay, I can have a beer or two and I'll be fine. But Courtney, if Scott is crying for help and saying he feels a void, I think that as his partner, you need to try. And in her confessional, Courtney says, you know, I agree that I do need to give the relationship more attention than I have been, but I also have certain expectations for who Mason's father needs to be. So when I see him slipping into old behavior that's unacceptable, I'm just not going to be okay with it. And Chloe kind of suggests, you know, what about alone time for you guys once a week? Because it's important for Mason also to see love between his parents. And Scott says, I mean, I don't know if you're still that in love with me like you used to be, but I'd like to have fun with the only girl I'm going to be with for the rest of my life. I literally highlighted that line and only that line in this entire outline because I was that taken aback by it. I know. And then Courtney's confessional when she says, I see my life with Scott. I don't want to be with someone else. I want to be with him. We just have a lot to work on. And I don't think we're in a perfect place whatsoever. But just knowing we want to work on it makes me feel better. And then you kind of see them hug and and kiss it out. Yeah, it's, it's the same old story with them. I mean, there's obviously a million things to say, but it's a discussion that we've had a lot in the past. And it's a discussion that we'll continue to have. I really, now that everything with Courtney and Scott is okay for the moment. I really want to move into 
the Chloe and Kim conversation because that's really a brand new dynamic that we haven't analyzed yet. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their bestseller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest hundred percent organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This was so fucking interesting, Julie. Did you think that too? I was honestly more fascinated by this than I was by Chris and Kim. Same. I for, I I forgot about this particular conversation. No, I fu- I fully did too. I fully did. Okay, so basically, you know, Courtney and Chloe are kind of recapping. Courtney's thanking her for helping her with everything with Scott, and she then asks Chloe if she's okay based on her fight with Kim. And Chloe says, I don't know, you know, obviously it's like she feels these feelings about me and she's always felt them about me. It's not something new. She just always holds them in. And she always says these little digs or little things about me or tries to always belittle me or make me feel bad. And Courtney says, yeah, you guys are always competitive. Chloe goes, no, on dad, I don't compete with her. She's in her own lane and has her own shit. I do my own thing. I don't want the things she wants in life. And in Courtney's confessional, she says, Chloe and Kim say they're not competitive, but they have such a different relationship with each other than I have with each of them. And they just seem to get mad at these little petty things. And Chloe then says in her confessional that it actually hurts her to hear Courtney say that she views their relationship to be competitive because she's like, I'm not trying to take anything from her. And if anything, I feel that I'm her biggest protector. And I just think that I'm an easy person for Kim to kind of take things out on. And Chloe's then saying, you know, Kim hasn't tried to reach out to apologize to her at all. And she knows Kim's not sorry. And she's just going to choose to be mean. And she's like, listen, Kim doesn't make or break my life. But there's so much there. The, the competition aspect, which in current day is so not something we talk about between Kim and Chloe. If anything, it's maybe something we talk about with Kim and Courtney. But second of all, Courtney's saying, you know, my relationship with each of them is so different than their relationship with each other. And again, going to show you at this time between the three of them, Courtney was the glue. This coming at the exact same time that we're talking about 
Kim and Courtney in the trailer and plus just all of the continued conversations that we've had about the dynamic between the three of them. Like I couldn't have asked for a better scene. But what's interesting is like, I don't even know how to analyze it from an angle other than present day because what Chloe is describing in this scene and the supposed competitiveness between them and Kim putting her down and belittling her and feeling like this is a dynamic between them that has always existed is like, this is kind of news to me. Well, I think first of all, it's kind of just an impossible to ask to try to analyze this or view this without the knowledge we currently have, which is that in 2023, this dynamic Chloe is describing between her and Kim is entirely irrelevant. Like it just simply doesn't exist. But if we do go back to some of the previous seasons we've watched, I don't know if I would necessarily use the word competition, but Kim has cited the fact that she feels Chloe is jealous of her. I mean, if we go back to the Bentley scene, if we go back to Kim's fragrance deal or as they started to become more and more famous and Kim started to have some of these endeavors that were more solo endeavors, Chloe, a lot of the time, was the one that was raising hell about that, whether it was to Kim directly, whether it was to Chris, feeling as though Chris was prioritizing Kim's business deals more than she was the three of theirs. And so you did see some of that. Obviously, it's coming out in a little bit of a different way now. But I honestly think the newer element of that that we're seeing at play here is, it sounds so crazy to say, but like them being NBA wives. Because technically they are both NBA wives here. And this is so the wrong thing, but just follow my thought. Like Chloe's quote, doing it better. And I think Kim's having a really hard time with that. And I think honestly, without actually saying it, that's kind of what they're alluding to here. That's the new aspect of the competition that had never existed previously. Oh my God, there's so much here. And oh my God. Okay, so- if I were breaking <laughs> I down- love, if, I love when you do that. I love when you do that. <laughs> if I were breaking down the issues between Kim and Chloe, I, yes, had they had fights? Yes, was there certain jealousy things? Of course. But if we're really talking about the issues between Chloe and Kim, it goes back to the pre-wedding between Chris and Kim, where Chloe never, never held back in terms of her opinions of what she thought about Chris Humphreys. And it created major, major issues between Kim and Chloe. And by the way, in this moment right now where things are not working out with Chris Humphreys, not only is it that Kim and Chloe have unsolved issues about it, not only is it that Kim is now being compared to Chloe, but Kim is now going to have to admit that Chloe was the one that was really fucking right about this whole thing. And so there are so many elements of it, but it all, listen, I think that they're, in the way that Chloe is describing her relationship with Kim, it is clearly very deep rooted. It clearly goes back to their childhood. It is clearly from way before all of this wedding stuff, but all of that stuff went completely unsolved. Let's not forget the conversation between Chris Humphreys and Kim at that grocery store in Minnesota where they're reading the tabloid magazine and it's like Chloe Kardashian jealous of Kim's wedding, like Kim trying to outdo what Chloe did just a year ago. And like Kim is fully buying into that. Fully buying into it. I know that is a true thing, but what you said first is so accurate where it's like, honestly, probably an additional reason that Kim was so pissed when Chloe woke her up is because she knows the way that she's starting to feel about Chris in this whole situation. And it's building and building that Chloe was so spot on in her initial analysis. And you're right. She's getting very close to a time where she's going to have to admit that. I am just so glad that we have this scene and this fight for going forward in terms of analyzing and understanding the relationship and 
how we got to where we got today. Because what's going to be really interesting, forget about the Kim and Courtney fighting. It's going to be really interesting to now be in this rewatch and pinpoint where Kim and Chloe now get really close. Forget about Chloe and Courtney distancing. I don't even mean that. I just mean we're like that separation or that jealousy or that insecurity between the two of them starts to dissipate. I, I know because as we always discuss, like if you're asking me my favorite duo, even though I love me some Kylie and Chloe, at the end of the day, it's Kim and Chloe. M, it's Kim and Chloe. But right now, seeing Kim, Chloe, and Kylie together, I'm like, I'm fucking amped. Well, I, I said that too. What it was, what North TikTok or whatever I said, I was like, no, it was the picture Them that Kylie in Instagrammed. Yeah, like that is it. I mean, that's the trio. If you're asking me who I'm, who I'm riding for till the end, of course, it's the three of them. Duh. Just wrapping up the Hamptons of it all before really diving into Kim and Chris. And in the scheme of things, this is a total minor side plot. I just have to mention it because it is so unbelievable that this happened. Basically, Courtney doesn't love the way in which Scott's parents keep their home. And she had previously said to Chloe, she feels as though they're hoarders, which you get to the home, by no means are they hoarders. They just keep their house a little less organized than she would like. And in addition, something that all the siblings have spoken about is growing up, Chris Jenner kept their home a certain way. And naturally that was passed on to all of their kids in terms of the way that they like to keep a home. So basically Scott's parents go out for the afternoon and Courtney decides that she's going to take it upon herself to entirely reorganize. And she is just taking shit out of there, putting it in the backyard. She pretty much makes this junk pile. So his parents come back and Courtney, like fully confidently, she's not hiding anything. She basically says, yeah, this is the stuff that we're getting rid of. Some of those are things that Scott's mom views as prized possessions. And it kind of creates this little bit of tension between Scott's mom and Courtney that Scott's mom doesn't confront directly with Courtney. She kind of goes to Scott to handle it. But like, it ends up getting solved. It's not the biggest deal. I just cannot believe the brazen nature with which Courtney was operating here. I couldn't watch this. I was too uncomfortable. For Scott's sweet, sweet mother to come back to her home. And first of all, her table's outside. She's like, where's my table? And then the one thing that she gets upset about is a vintage chess set that she bought for Scott to learn how to play chess. Like that was the thing that she cared about the most. I was like, I'm sorry, this is too uncomfortable. I can't watch it. Scott's sweet, adorable mother is being subjected to Courtney's craziness. And I just, I'm sorry, I can't. It was too, it was too much for me. <laughs> sorry, it's such a reaction. Didn't you? Weren't you like so uncomfortable? I was uncomfortable. The person I was the most uncomfortable for was Chloe because Courtney was kind of dragging her into this and Chloe had to leave. She was like, I can't watch this. Like, I I cannot be involved in this because I so deeply disagree with the way that you're going about this. Like, okay, obviously at this time, Lamar's mom had passed away, but there is just no world in which Chloe would have gone into Lamar's mother's home and, okay, I'm gonna use the word, been so disrespectful. This is like, to me, so disrespectful. It was. Obviously, it came from a good place, but it just... Did it? Courtney really operated under the assumption that she could get away with saying she was doing this because she thought that she was helping them out. And just as Chloe points out, she's like, if you thought you were doing something that wasn't wrong, you wouldn't have waited until they left the house to do it. Like you knew Courtney was doing this for her own benefit. Courtney was doing it because she couldn't stand to be in what she considered to be clutter or a mess or like... She anything that was not how she would keep a home. And so it bothered her to be sitting in it. It wasn't for their benefit. 
Uh, no, I'm not, but wait, let me make something very clear. I'm not defending her. I thought the way she went about this was disgusting, but it wasn't only because the few times a year that she came there, she wanted to be more comfortable. She also genuinely did feel that a more minimalistic home makes one happier. She basically thought if she could do an OG HGTV situation where she sent them away for three weeks and they came back to a completely organized, decluttered home, it would make them genuinely happier. You know what I mean? Like I'm not defending her at all, but it wasn't only for the few times a year that she was there. I think she did honestly think that it would improve their lives. No, of course. To call it an entirely selfish act is dramatic. It was just the way that she went about it, how easy it would have been to just say, Bonnie, I love coming to your home and I love when you have me here. And as a favor to extend my gratitude to you, I would love if I could help you maybe organize a couple of things. I don't think it's something that like, at, at this age in your life, you should have to take on by yourself. And I feel like it would help you out. Please allow me to like do this for you and with you instead of just fucking waiting for them to leave the house and then like embarrassing them in this sort of a way. Yeah, that's obviously, I was exactly gonna use that word. It was embarrassing because it made Scott's parents feel like, wait, what's wrong with the way that we live? You know, you, you disapprove so deeply of the way that we live that you have to take matters into your own hands in this kind of way. It was wrong. I mean, I know we're talking about it kind of jokingly because it was such a ridiculous moment of television, but the fact that this was a real interaction that happened, yeah, it was, it was totally fucked up. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile it helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. 
Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada, yada, yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Okay, so moving on to the Kim and Chris of it all, as we know, Kim decided not to go to the Hamptons and instead to go to Minnesota to visit Chris for the weekend. So he gets her from the airport. Initially, they kind of have this sweet moment. And she says, so do you miss me? And he's like, yeah, you know, I, I miss you, but I haven't missed living with everyone and I'm a lot more focused here. And she's like, wait, so you like how it's going with you here and, and me there? And in her confessional, she's basically saying that it's so frustrating to her that he just seems so content with them living separately. Which like, there is so much to get into here. We haven't even gotten to their home yet. Like we're about to get into the cooking, that argument, all of that. I'm just telling you right now, if this was me, I've been married to this guy for what, two weeks? He jumps ship a week in to go back to Minnesota. I'm finally there and I ask him if he misses me. And his response is like, yeah, I do miss you, but I think this is overall better. I'm out. Like, I don't give a shit how happy you are with this arrangement. I need you to tell me that it has been painstaking being away from me. This is one of the craziest dynamics I have ever seen. Ever, ever. And, oh, this is what I wanted to say earlier. Remember how I said in the beginning, like, doing this rewatch is naturally making us more informed viewers as we watch not only the Kardashians, but also later seasons of Keeping Up? Yes. This whole situation, which obviously we will really dive more into in a second, reminded me so much of, I guess it was season 20 of Keeping Up, where Kim and Kanye are starting to really have their issues and Kim's pretty much contemplating divorce at this point. And in one of the times when she breaks down, she's like, I just can't deal with this. I mean, he's in Wyoming. He wants to have pretty much this whole separate life. And I I don't want this. You know, I want a more, quote, normal upbringing for my kids. Like, I want this togetherness with my husband. And these two things are completely separate. And I think she would have had that exact same reaction to the Kanye situation, whether or not the Chris Humphreys of it all ever occurred. But I do wonder if there was a moment for her that was triggering of like, in her previous marriage, this exact same thing happened. He he pretty much jumped ship and he was so content with living a completely separate life. And I know it's different, but you can really extract similarities between the two. Yeah, I'm so curious if she would have consciously thought about that in the moment because there is a part of me that thinks that the entire Chris Humphreys thing is like a fever dream to her. Like there is a part of me that feels like if you said to her, like, Kim, remember in like the first couple of weeks that you were married, Chris Humphreys literally went to Minnesota and you guys were living separately. I feel like she would be like, oh my God, yeah, I forgot about that. I know, and honestly, I don't blame her. I mean, I obviously would have that approach if it were me. I mean, this is really when shit hits the fan in Minnesota because basically Kim's saying, you know, I know Chris loves a home-cooked meal. He hasn't had one in a while. They're in the kitchen, they're cooking together. And Chris starts to say, you know, I think this whole you being in Minnesota thing, it didn't happen naturally. Someone must have put you up to it. And Kim's like, I mean, you're my husband. Of course I would want to be with you. But yes, I did talk to my sisters and everyone thinks this whole situation is a little weird. Chris goes, I mean, Chloe did leave Miami to be with Lamar. I'm glad you have a role model like that in your life. She's so down for her man. And Kim's like, whatever, it's it's fine that you just don't get it. And in her confessional, she says, Chris makes a lot of comparisons about Chloe and Lamar and Chloe changing her life to fit Lamar's schedule. But Chloe and Lamar are a different situation. It's just not fair. Which is exactly what we were talking about before where he cannot stand Chloe in some ways and completely villainizes her. And then at the same time, puts her and the way she is towards Lamar on a pedestal as a way to manipulate Kim and make her feel bad. I do not get this down for her man thing that Chris Humphreys keeps saying. It's like, you say it once, okay, like, I get what you're kind of like, the 
way in which it's repeated as if like, I, I don't, I just don't get it. And every time he says it, I'm so infuriated by it. I'm like, what about you being down for her? Right. What about the fact that in this current moment, if you're comparing both of your careers, she's kind of doing a lot better than you. The last time I checked, you're a free agent and <laughs> whatever the fuck and, they call it. <laughs> and by the way, that exact point is so evident in my favorite two lines of this scene, which were complete throwaway lines, but I was so zoned in on where Kim makes the point of like, you know, yes, you love Minnesota. So what if you just come on the weekends and be here and like where you're in New York the rest of the time? And Chris goes, yeah, but baby, I can't afford to fly back and forth every single weekend. And Kim goes, yeah, but it's not like I have all the time in the world to do that either. Like when he said afford, Kim thought he meant afford to time-wise. But, okay, I'm so glad you brought that up. What did he mean? Do you, do you think he meant financially? I mean, listen, could he technically afford a flight from New York to Minnesota every single weekend? Probably. But like he was in no position to be doing that. Like he couldn't justify it. By the way, he didn't even have a contract. He didn't even have money coming in. Like, so yeah, like he technically couldn't quote unquote afford it. And Kim's automatic assumption went straight to time. And I thought that was just the perfect example of A, how different they were in their approach to life and money and everything, but also how deeply they just didn't understand each other. They were not on the same page at all. No, they could not be less on the same page, which Kim then kind of retreats to the room to call Courtney and Chloe to kind of fill them in. And they're both like, you have to go and set out what you went there to do, which is tell him this isn't working. So while they're getting ready to go to this lake in Minnesota, which like, it's just such a fucking hilarious sentence. Like, what is Kim doing in her probably beach bunny swimwear going to a lake in Minnesota, you know? Nothing has ever made less sense. Again, fucking fever dream. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. 
So she finally confronts him and she's like, I feel that we really need to talk about it. I don't think that you're taking it that seriously. I'm trying to be serious about it. You're in the off season. I think that you should be living with me. And he's like, I mean, we tried it. And she's like, you tried one week. And he's like, yeah, it was ridiculous. You got to see it from my perspective. You know, my training is important to me. And if I can't get it done in New York and there's too many distractions, it's easier for me to go here. And she's like, yeah, but so many things in life are easier. It's easier for me to stay at home. But is that what I want to do? No. In the middle of the conversation, he gets up, he walks, he goes to the couch and Kim is really pissed. She's like, listen, I came all the way out here to talk to you about this. If all you care about is basketball. Something's got to give here. We're married. And he goes, you don't want me to resent you, do you, baby? She's like, oh my, I honestly, I'll hear that fucking before I fall asleep at night. But he says like five times. Yeah, he won't give it up. You don't want me to resent you. You don't want me to resent you. And she goes, you want to live in separate cities? If that's what you want, fine. I'll go pack and I'll Skype you to say bye. Which is a total side. I just love when you hear things like Skype because it really brings you back to the 2011 of it all. But she goes upstairs. She fully starts to pack. He comes into the room. He's not understanding the gravity of the situation. And he's like, listen, you don't give a shit. So I'd rather just go now. And he's like, I'm just so comfortable here, but I know that I have to figure this out. I know I have to figure out a way to make my marriage work and my career work. And she's like, I want to try different things to do in New York to make it work for you. We can do less distractions. We can have our own room. You know, like we can figure it out. And she's like, I just really need a husband. And she fully breaks down. I mean, Kim is really emotional. And I think to him, he's just viewing it as she's upset by this one argument. But I think what's happening for Kim internally is that she's starting to panic of like, holy shit. We just had this entire production. My wedding was the event of the year. We're supposed to be in this forever. And I can't even stand this guy for the next day. Exactly what we were saying in the beginning of the episode where there was no part of Kim that thought to herself like, oh, I'm definitely going to go to Minnesota this weekend. Like it had to be Chloe bringing it up and Kim going like, oh yeah, I guess I could do that is exactly their approach to Chris being in the city. Like it took them this long to realize like, oh, we could just like live a little bit differently than the way that's upsetting you and like still make it work. Like, yes, Kim is the one that brought it up here, but it's not like Chris was going to leave when they were in New York. And she was like, wait a second, let's stop. Let's pause. Let's figure out exactly what we want to do. Let's figure out a solution that works. We can get different rooms. Like this is by the way, a hotel, like we can figure something out entirely different here. This does not have to be the situation that we're living in. Like instead she's like, yeah, you should, you should go to Minnesota and, and practice basketball. And like, I'll, I'll, I'll see you when I see you. Like no part of them was searching for any sort of solution. Well, it was a combination of two things. It was first of all, the fact that at this point in time, they were both more focused on their respective careers than they were on their marriage, which is just factually what was going on. But second of all, it was the fact that Kim didn't enjoy spending time with him enough to even think about other solutions. It wasn't the kind of thing where she was like, I fucking love being with this guy and I'm going to think of every possible way to make sure that we can spend the most amount of time together. The time that they spent together wasn't that unbelievable. She was annoyed with him at least 50% of the time. So in some ways, I actually think she was thrilled. It's almost like how they say, um, you know, like you ask a mom of three what she wants for Mother's Day and it's like, honestly, just give me a night at a hotel by myself, like peace and quiet. I, I almost feel like that's how Kim felt. <laughs> My mom paid you to say that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she was just, she was just so, I think, excited about the calmness she knew she would feel when he wasn't there. And that was more enticing to her than actually spending time together because the time they spent together wasn't magical. You know, most couples have this honeymoon phase. They didn't have a honeymoon phase. There was no honeymoon phase to be had because they kind of couldn't stand each other. Right. And he didn't want to be with her either. And by the way, like his method 
of handling things and talking was an immaturity that I don't think Kim fully realized because I think, A, one of the things that Kim really convinced herself that she loved about him was like that he's just a kid at heart. She wasn't sitting here being like, he's a kid at heart. And also that's then going to translate to his style of communication and problem solving because he is a kid. He's not a kid at heart. He is a kid. Mm -hmm. And also I think there was so much of Kim that, and we spoke about this during the wedding special, where Kim thought like, okay, even if I don't like how he's dealing with problems, even if I don't like this side of him, like all of this is just wedding stress and all of this is due to the wedding planning. And once this part is over, we don't have to deal with that anymore. So it almost doesn't matter how he handles things. She forgot there's a whole fucking marriage to then deal with. Like if you think that planning a wedding is stressful, wait till you're fucking married. No, and then because of the way that he handles things, you see at times her kind of getting down to that level. And it's not something that she's proud of. It's not a place that she wants to be, but it's like the only way that I think at times she knows how to reason with him. It's just, the whole thing is so fucked up. And even next week where we see the preview for the conversation about you know where they want to raise their kids, like obviously I'm so much more aligned with Kim and that she has been very forthcoming with him since the beginning of she wants to live in LA. That's where she wants to raise her children. It's very important to her. Her entire life's there. He should have known that like 1000%. But in all fairness, if I'm him, I do find it kind of unappealing and like off-putting just how judgmental and opposed she is to this place that is such a huge part of his life. You know what I mean? Like I am fully in agreement with her that she should not have to spend more time there than she wants to. And she has made it very clear from the beginning where she wants to raise a family. But that was also something that was never going to work because she deeply disapproved of like this very place that was a huge part of his heart. Yeah. I mean, but what's also interesting is in the scenes for next week, speaking of this idea of them having kids and raising them in Minnesota, she says to Chris in the midst of all of this, in the midst of this clearly not being right, in the midst of her not wanting to spend time with Chris at all, she says to Chris Jenner, you know, I'm thinking about going off of birth control. I, I cannot wait for that because I honestly forget how that episode goes down. But like, that is prime example of the way that she is fully putting rose-colored glasses on and fully putting up a blocker of like, I had this five-year plan and I'm going to make that happen if it's the last fucking thing that I do. And thank God it didn't go through in the way that it could have. Thank God. Whew. Anyway, what a ride. Anything else you would like to mention? Can't wait for next week. I cannot wait. Okay, well, we love you guys. We'll see you later this week for Bravo. And then May 25th, baby Kardashian season three. Holy shit, I can't wait. I know. Okay, we love you guys. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits, they're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. 
Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.